it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. headquarters in new york city always seeking solutions never sowing division it's brian kilmeade hi everyone brian kilmeade back in studio thanks so much for listening and thanks for being here we've got a great hour coming your way will hurds in studio jamie metzel at the bottom of the hour remember the who advisory committee we know the revelations that came out yesterday possibly not only one leak but two leaks from uh, from a lab and nobody thinks it's coming from some some type of bat to other, another type of animal. Nobody's found the animal yet. Today is going to be a big day. Uh, there's going to be a lot of hearings. Finance Committee and the IRS. Going to hear from the Foreign Relations Committee exposing Putin's crimes and evidence in the Russian war. And the president will be delivering remarks on his bottom-up economic principles. 37% of the country approve of the way he's handling the economy. So you know how much I'm interested in that. So before we get to Congressman Hurd, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You look at this whole special district, Walt Disney Corporation obviously owns a lot of it, but the district owns other land. What should we do with this land? Try to do more amusement uh, parks. Uh, Someone even said, like, maybe you need another state prison. Who knows? Disney download. Governor DeSantis' fight with Disney has caused his possible GOP presidential opponents to pick a fight with him, calling this brawl with CEO Bob Iger anti-conservative, petty, way too personal. We're going to look at the 2024 race. Number two. It has the potential of civilizational destruction. If that's the case for AI and we're only putting regulations after something terrible has happened, it may be too late to actually put the regulations in place. The AI may be in control at that point. No joke. That's that is really not AI. That's really Elon Musk with Tucker last night. Can't be avoided. AR is AI is here and close to affecting everything we do. Did Tucker sit down with Elon Musk? He'll talk about his concerns and he was at the forefront of all the innovation. Number one. These are reports of trafficking and abuse of migrant children. You can see a massive surge that begins to happen when? Oh, when you come to office in 2021. Thousands of children have ended up in punishing jobs across the country. Children. Broken. This story broken by the New York Times. Breaking point. Let's get this straight. The chaos, crime, and drugs taking place at the border is the Biden administration's fault, and it's getting worse. Cartels are getting richer. We get more drug addicted, more drug deaths, and child abuse. Our only hope, hold on tight in two more years. Is that indeed the case? He spent some time in the CIA, spent some time in the in the House of Representatives, and now he's spending some quality time in studio. Will Hurd, welcome. Hey, brother. How are you, man? Finally, good to see you face-to-face. Absolutely. Right after these uh, emotional hearings yesterday, led by Republicans with almost... No demo, uh, uh, led by with almost no Democratic support. What was accomplished in unloading yesterday on uh, Mayorkas? It shows the incompetence that has plagued this administration when it comes to border security policies. I was in Congress when this crisis erupted under Donald Trump. I represented more border than any other member of Congress. The unaccompanied minors were in facilities in my district. So this is something that I know intimately and and have been involved with for a very long time. It is outrageous that we have children between the ages of 12 and 16 
that are basically being allowed to be human traffic. Is this 1910? Exactly right. I thought I was reading like Upton Sinclair's "The Jungle." Yeah. Right? The 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 thing that's that's outrageous on this is that there were a number of workers who identified this. They identified the problem when the kids were in facilities, saying, "Hey, these are not people we should be releasing them to." <clears throat> you had people in HHS say, "This seems to be a problem." They had people in Department of Labor go in and knock on some of these doors, and what's happened? Not only did they allow more kids to do this, they've only fined some of these companies that are using this child labor. We should be outraged. We should be appalled. And again, this is one reason why I think Joe Biden should fire Mayorkas because the only way we're going to see a change is to get somebody new at the top of the uh, at the top of the of the Department of Homeland Security. Well, Congressman, no one's more street smart than you. You know he's just doing what Biden wants. You could put Thomas Holman there. He'd last a week. He'd realize what the administration goal was. So they're not interested in, in doing anything to stop the border. And what they're doing now it got so overwhelming. He had to go visit. In fact, his only comment was the border doesn't work. The wall's too immovable, and it's starting to rust anyway. What are you talking about? It's proved effective everywhere it's put. Some of the immigration bills that the Democrats are trying to introduce this cycle is already being promoted in places in in other parts of the world about how it's going to be even easier to come into the United States. Um, This – look. This, we need common sense leadership on this problem. We know how to solve the problem. It starts with stop treating everybody as an asylum seeker. The best thing for these kids is to be back in their home countries with their family members. We should be working with our allies to address root causes in those countries. There's a diplomatic failure that's happening here where all these countries are sending so many people here and don't care and aren't trying to stop it. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a problem on many layers that this administration hasn't shown an ability in order to address. I, this is not your speed, but it was high uh, octane uh, confrontation with Senator Josh Hawley uh, cut for Let's talk about the surge in child smuggling and child exploitation that is happening on your watch. Do you know the number of unaccompanied children who have come across the border on your watch? Uh, Senator, I don't have um, uh, that number at my disposal, but I can assure you that we are incredibly dedicated to the safety and security of those children. Well, it doesn't appear so based on what we're reading today in the New York Times, what we're reading and seeing from numbers from your own office. The answer to my question, by the way, is 345,807. That's the number of unaccompanied children, children who have come across the border on your watch. And he goes on and this sparring continues, but he brings back the the policy of of family separation of the border. And Tom Holman brought up, he's like, look, if you're drunk driving. They take away your kids. They'll just put you in jail and you'll put your kids somewhere. That's how he's doing it. They quickly adjusted that. The first lady was against it. She went down to see it. It stopped. To go back to 2017 and say that's the problem, that must just drive you crazy. Look, again, it's outrageous that they don't understand what the problem is. They're either lying about what the problem is. But what do you think? Do you you think they understand the problem? Do you think they don't care? I think it is so big and they do not know what to do. I, I think I think it's that simple. When you have um, out, not allegations but suggestions that Susan Rice, <clears throat> excuse me, 
that Susan Rice in the White House is like, what are we doing? The reason this is becoming a bigger problem is because of our actual, actual policies. The fact that you have indication that's happening is that they understand that this is a bigger problem, and they, and, and they don't know what to do about it. And the silence of some of the other Democrats in the House and the Senate when they were protesting in front of facilities on the border almost daily when, when I was in Congress is, is unacceptable. And the fact that Mayorkas would show up to a hearing and not have the data knowing these questions were, were going to get asked. It was on the front page of the New York Times. But don't you think he, he has he the was... data, but he knows he was he supposed to do, say, 345,000 binders are, have, uh, are missing? Or in the system, possibly child labor, we, he doesn't want those stats in front of him. So listen to, not only are they not condemning, listen to Tom Carper of Delaware, cut seven. Mr. Chairman, uh, Ranking Member Paul, uh, fellow colleagues uh, with whom I have the privilege to serve on this committee for a long, long time. Before I get into my uh, questions, I, I want to just take a moment to acknowledge Secretary Mayorkas' leadership of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, when I talk about integrity, I often say, if you have it, nothing else matters. Or if you don't have it, nothing else matters. And Secretary Mayorkas has it. This guy, this guy should be fired. I mean, he should be recalled almost immediately. Look, not only you're not condemning him, you're praising him yeah. on television. Look, it, it's it, and, and, and why are more voters not upset by this? Um, I, I think they are. I think they're frustrated. When you go to the border, the communities along the border are absolutely frustrated. The people that are working this issue are frustrated. When you look at the philanthropic organizations that are having to be come in to help with this, they're frustrated with they, this. With some this, some of them get a lot of money. Look, they they, they do These Catholic but, charities. Sure, but but they're overwhelmed too, right? And because they want to help people that are that are actually here, and 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 ultimately, none of this is humane. This this notion Democrats are actually being inhumane to folks that are that are actually here. They're being inhumane and encouraging human smugglers um, to 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 get they folks get a ton of money. The, the human smugglers at a minimum probably made twenty five million dollars last year just in Mexico alone. Right? That is absolutely outrageous and you're encouraging the problem and when you don't identify the people that are causing the problem, when you don't know what the actual, when you can't articulate what the problem is, and you're afraid of collecting numbers, then it's time for you to go. And and this is something, if Joe Biden is serious about about uh, securing the border, he will he would fire Mayorkas, and they would take a complete change in direction. And unfortunately, I don't think that's happened, and that's why uh, we have an opportunity in 2024 for those that care about the border uh, to make their voices heard. But he would probably hire somebody like a transgender uh, Mexican astronaut that had never done this before. He is just checking boxes with all his nominees. Yesterday, he nominated someone uh, for the well, last month, someone with the FAA has never worked in an airport before. He was a, a worker. And then we're hearing about um, we're hearing about all these other people that have no qualifications. They just are a certain gender um, or a certain sexual uh, uh, identify sexually as something that would be unique. But I got to ask you this: I see this video this morning of about ten thousand Chinese and the Darien Gap, April seventeenth. Be well dressed, mm-hmm. not refugees. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Why are we getting thousands of Chinese coming across our border? Brian, this has been happening longer than, than we recognize and understand. 
there were a number of Chinese nationals that came into the country across the border illegally in South Texas that said that they were, in essence, trying to be day laborers. They went and were working um, at SpaceX, which is the facility in South Texas. They ended up finding out that these were Chinese astrophysicists that were trying to go in and steal um, secrets from from SpaceX to help with the space Are you program. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It, it's, is it's that been, is that been out? It's been out. It's been out. And and so so one of the things that the folks in Border Patrol actually look at, they look at when people come across, expect inspect their hands. These people are trying to act like they're they're coming to work in agriculture, but they have perfectly manicured hands. These are people that are are part of a broader effort. Um, of the con- Chinese Communist Party to to impact America. Unfortunately, though, um, the threat is not just about them coming across the, the border illegally. Um, they're stealing our technology. They're impacting us globally. They're taking the the opposition that we have amongst ourselves and and manifesting that uh, again with their enemies against us. And this is a a, a real concern, a real threat. And and the border and thousands of people coming across our border illegally is just one bar, one broader uh, concern and one broader issue in what I consider to be a new Cold War between the United States and the and the Chinese government. It's so comprehensive. There got to be an immediate Chinese policy when it comes to them crossing the border. They got to go through a special debriefing area. No question about it. Well, if we just do it the right way, if you come in between our ports of entry, that is illegal entrance into the country, and you're immediately deported. This isn't this isn't rocket science. This is common sense. You know, we have a and lot what of you complicated issues. You're a refugee. Absolutely, and, and and even there, right? To 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 get asylum, you have to be a member of of a protected class, whether that's your race, your gender, your ethnicity. You have to prove your government is trying to persecute you, wow. and, and this is not happening. And so because you want to come here to get a better job, that's not a, a reason to be able to claim for asylum. And it's not humane because we're encouraging this kind of illegal activity. A few more minutes with Congressman Will Hurd, kind enough to come into studio. Not only do we talk about what's happening as a U.S. congressman, but he's also got the CIA background. Don't move, Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm with here with uh, Will Hurd, who at one point may be a presidential candidate. I don't know if it's going to be this cycle or not, but he certainly has the background, successful congressman over in Texas and a successful CIA. Uh, what was your actual title in CIA? I, I was a I was a case officer. So my job was to be overseas and recruit spies and steal secrets. And, you know, sounds easy. To, <laughs> well, well, it, it was um, I started right out of undergrad when I was 22. And my job was to stop terrorists from blowing up the homeland, uh, Russian spies from stealing our secrets and to put uh, nuclear weapons proliferators out of business. And I got to do it in places like India for two years, Pakistan, two years, wow. I was in Afghanistan for a year and a half. 
where I manage all of our undercover Since operations. 2001, the focus has been on terror, unwinding these terrorist plots before they happen. I understand, and they mm-hmm. did great at it. The FBI, too. Now it's got to be China combining with Russia, combining with Iran, and possibly North Korea. They have formed their, their new axis of evil, and it's a bigger axis, and it's more formidable, led by China. I, General Keene says he believes this administration is overwhelmed by the how many different areas they've taken over Latin America, infiltrating into uh, Africa, and, of course, storming our border, perhaps, as we just discussed, buying 330,000 acres of American farmland, flying spy balloons over. Why can they not get a hold of this? They, they can't get a hold of this because they don't have a broader strategy on how to deal with the rest of the world. I think it's real simple. Your friends should love you and your enemies should fear you. And, and ultimately, they're trying to negotiate with our enemies, and they're ignoring our friends. Uh, this is an absolute problem. It gets you hostages. It gets you hostages. Let, let, let's, take, let's take our own backyard, Mexico. The Mexican government invaded an American company and allowed a, the Chinese, a Chinese company to have access to a deep water port in the Gulf of Mexico. Are we talking about that? The fact that that happened in our own backyard with an ally, with an important ally, no. is, is insane. The fact that Brazil over the last couple of years have gotten even closer with China and have stopped doing currency trades in the dollar. This is really significant. We back Lula, Biden backed Lula in that election. Look, it, it, so, so, so the 76-year-old criminal. Look, so if you can't even get your allies right – the fact that President Macron from France went to China and basically said, America, don't make us have to choose between the U.S. and China. The only reason he says that is to imply we would not like the answer. This is France. And so if you can't get your allies behind you, then you're not going to be able to get your enemies to fear you. And and the Chinese government and, – and it's not it's, – look – it's on tech policy. The way the Chinese government recognizes that they're going to surpass the United States of America as a global superpower is by being the world leader in about 12 different areas. This is a reality, and we need to make sure that the federal government is working with the private sector to deal with this. It starts with having a strategy. and When you don't have a strategy, you can't deal with these individual things that pop up. And what was Anthony Blinken doing yesterday? Praising Japan for making their embassy, the U.S. Embassy in Japan, all green. Can you believe this? Well, Japan has doubled their defense budget and sees China as a threat it is. Will Hurd, thrilled to have you in studio. Always a pleasure to be with you. All right, when we come back, Jamie Metzl tells us about what really was displayed with COVID-19 and the origins from that meeting yesterday. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think that the search for the truth should drive where we go from here. And everyone, from our intelligence agencies to members of the administration, to members of Congress, to public health officials, should put politics aside and let our intelligence speak the truth about what happened. Speak the truth to the Americans who deserve that truth, deserve justice, and deserve accountability and only by seeking truth, justice, and accountability for this pandemic can we achieve the other equally important goal of preventing the next pandemic. 
So that's what John Ratcliffe brought up, uh, the former DNI guy. He was in charge of all the intelligence, and he does believe that this thing came from a lab leak. And so does somebody else who thinks there's an excellent chance of that, was one of the first to say it. Jamie Metzl, member of the WHO, WHO Advisory Committee, senior fellow at the Atlantic Council and former National Security Council official in the Clinton administration. Jamie, you were there testifying, too, yesterday. Yes. Great to see you in person. Nice. And I wasn't there yesterday. I was, in the, fir- I was the lead witness in the first congressional first hearings, congress- which okay. were a month ago. So what, what came out yesterday was kind of interesting in that John Ratcliffe, it's, the Republicans now leading it, and John Ratcliffe brought up, uh, something I did not know about. He also believes that people back then thought it was a lab leak, but everyone was afraid to say it. So I certainly, as you know, as you mentioned, I've been saying it from uh, from day one. There were a lot of people who had suspicions, uh, and there was this crazy environment in the United States in 2020 where there were all kinds of politics that were pushing people into weird extremes. And and so, I, again, as, as a Democrat, I know because when I started speaking up, fellow Democrats who were saying, hey, why are you speaking up so loudly? Doesn't this narrative support President Trump? And what I said is I'm not even a fan of President Trump, but I'm a fan of speaking honestly yeah. and looking at the data and following it wherever it goes. And if President Trump, who I wasn't even a, who I was not a, a fan of, if he was saying something that sounded right to me, like, why should I say, oh, no, it's wrong just because President Trump said it? So I think we should all just be evaluating. And that's what John Ratcliffe said yesterday yeah. is because Trump brought it up. They went the opposite way. I, yeah. I'm sure our country would have felt different about the vaccine if Trump won four more years and the vaccine was out there. Remember, the, the vice president of the United States says, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable taking a tr- vaccine from Trump. Really? Well, when that came out, you were a horrible person if you didn't take the vaccine, yeah. which is gener- generated from the Trump administration. Well, so people would have flipped sides, yeah. I think. No, it's, 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 we're in this crazy situation where, where people are, co- are developing their opinions based on tribal identities. And so President Trump, when the history of COVID-19 is written, the Operation Warp Speed will be an incredible success. It saved millions of lives. Do you know if lives. he brings that up during yeah. speeches, he gets booed? I know. I know. And so it's unfortunate. Like, I think this is on all sides is like we, we have these crazy purity tests for us. I mean, just when I came into the studio, I was commenting on your uh, U.S. Ukraine pin. And I was saying it's great. We should all be on the side of supporting the Ukrainians who've been invaded. Who were invaded. Who were invaded. I mean, this is like it's just like a clear thing. It's our whole history as as Americans. And that you have some people on the on the far right, on the far left, who are saying, "Hey, this is somebody else's uh, somebody else's problem." I think we just need to take a step back and just look at the at the evidence and on on vaccines. And I, I was very supportive of the vaccines. I've been very vocal saying that the Operation Warp Speed, the Trump administration, it was incredible. And and I just wish that President Trump, after that success, when he was vaccinated anyway. Would have said, I'm going to get I'm going to get vaccinated on national television. I'm going to say, hey, here's why we did Operation Warp Speed. Here's why we think this is a safe, uh, a safe way. And, and then even when there were issues, I know people have, have asked questions, raised issues about the about the uh, about the vaccines. We could just have an open, public, respectful right. conversation. Like, for example, uh, I don't think Trump would have mandated like like President Biden did. That creates resentment. You know, if you tell somebody what to do, you you're a parent, you're doing these things, and you're told you can't go to work, you can't do this, yeah. you can't go to school. Once you get it, excuse me, I'm healthy. Uh, it seems like it's not really effect. If you don't get it, you're out of school. You cannot go to school. you got to work at home. You're out of that yeah. college. I saw in the SUNY system here, a few relatives I know said, okay, I have to leave that school, 
go to Florida school, and they're there now because of it. Created so much resentment, and then there are situations where people had a negative reaction to it, the myocarditis yeah. and things to that sure, nature. Yeah. But and if you acknowledge that, if yeah. I'm a leader and say, listen, I'm a little concerned about these 22-year-old right. athletes who are getting swelling in the heart. So I think we should consider that all of a sudden I'm in it together as opposed right. to I am not going to acknowledge it. Yeah, I think that's ex- – and I think that this is what happens when we get pushed into these extremes yep. where there's a purity test for everybody and you kind of have to just be the purest version of some extreme and, – and we do have vaccine mandates for kids, the measles, mumps, and rubella and all these – there are all kinds of vaccines that are, that are required. And so I, I just think that we need to as a country – and I know that you're trying to, uh, to do this as well – is to say, like, let's just look at the evidence and say yeah. we're all Americans. Everybody is trying to protect their kids. Like, let's that have that be the starting point and have a conversation. Well, what are the best ways of doing it? You know, we just watched this video, watching this last night. In Ithaca, New York, there's these kids who have to wear their mask all day, even outside. Wow. So, I mean, seeing stuff like that is just yeah. abusive. And then if you have a problem with that, maybe you can't afford a private school. What are you supposed to do? You have to deal with that. Uh, John Ratcliffe said this about your idol, Anthony Fauci, being sarcastic. Huh. Cut 29. Did Dr. Fauci relay any of these concerns to you he that didn't. may have come from a lab? He did not. Then why do you think he did not? Uh, well, that would uh, I would obviously have to uh, to speculate, but I would I would point you to Dr. Fauci being perhaps the best person uh, to answer that. And there is uh, publicly available under um, information that has been obtained through open sources and freedom of information where uh, Dr. Fauci and other uh, virologists and, uh, and scientists uh, talk about the fact that um, it would bring unwanted attention to um, funding sources um, and uh, the research that was uh, taking place using uh, funding sources, domestic funding sources from the United States. And you've heard that. Yeah. So that's what people go crazy on. Some people defend them, some don't. Yeah, I mean, the, the basic facts, as, as I see it, is in the early days of this pandemic, it was certainly clear to me when I looked at the available evidence that maybe it came from nature, but there was a very real possibility it came from a lab. And I feel like there were people in the United States who were would have Vested been not from well who would who would have had the most knowledge of that possibility and certainly people like we've talked about in the past Peter Dayzak and the Eco Health Alliance um, who in 2018 had been part of a proposal uh, a funding proposal to the Defense Department that was rejected calling to engineer SARS like viruses to make them better able to infect human cells in the exact way that SARS CoV two ended up being. Um, there were people like Dr. Fauci, and, and you said facetiously, I'm a fan. I actually am a fan of Dr. Fauci, but that doesn't mean I support everything that he's ever done. And I think there was a lack of honesty and transparency in those early days. And I think that we're and, – and I think that the American people are better able to, to understand nuance. They're better able to understand – someone says, look, here's what we know and here's what we don't know. And here are the possibilities. It may have come from nature. And, he, and, and people said, we think it probably came from nature. It came from a market. That's fine. But there's a real possibility that it could have come from an, a, a research-related accident. And we need to follow all of those leads 
until we get the right answer. That would have been and, the way to do it. And the theory that came out over the weekend, over the you know, last two days, is that what about two leaks? Because yeah. there was some signs that they were looking at a vaccine after it would be the first leak. Right. And why do you look for a vaccine? Because you think something got out. And how do you know what to look for? Because you know what you're, yeah. what you're vaccining against. For I don't know if vaccining is actually yeah, a word. we'll make it one. Yeah, we'll make it one. So they said there's a theory out there for two leaks. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Roger Marshall is, it was, has been speaking about this. Uh, and it's a it's a credible hypothesis and it's worth exploring. And that's why we need to get uh, more information. But it's it's as plausible as as anything else. Right. Uh, you only have 30 seconds left. Yeah. Uh, you have to run. Yeah. But real quick for you personally, is the well been poisoned for the next pandemic because well, ab- of this? Well, absolutely. I mean, China it looks like most likely, as you know, I believe it most likely came from a lab accident. They've done a whole cover up. 20 million people are dead and they're just behaving as normal. We have not done everything we need to do to protect us for the next time. So we need to be honest about what happened and we need to be building our our defenses and we're not working quickly enough. And somehow we got to rebuild the trust to listen to whatever the leadership says has happened. And right now there's some distrust because all the misinformation that's been out there. Jamie, thanks so much. Great. Uh, great He's an old fashioned scientist who's curious and open to ideas. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. They don't make moves like this that aren't in their interests, at least in a general way. So the fact that many of them seem to be moving over to Trump is really a warning sign for DeSantis and all the other Republican candidates. That is Larry Sabato saying, noticing that so many Republican Florida uh, House members, not Chip Roy, he's going to DeSantis. And I think one other in Florida, but most of the big names like Byron Donalds have already endorsed Trump. I know Michael Waltz has been the biggest name, and I don't think he's done anything yet, but he's really tied with DeSantis, too. Uh, Ron DeSantis not getting in. It might be more difficult than he thought in waiting, but I think he'll probably be in the next couple of weeks. And I look to fight it out. Uh, Chris Christie will fight it out, too. I think 2024 is fascinating. Uh, Donald Trump pulling out so early in so many different states is a surprise. Definitely. I mean, he's, he's got a real good team this time, much better than his last two. No offense, Kelly and Conway, but they were just kind of half put together. This guy's in, this woman's out, this person's up, this person's down. Brad Parscale was hot in 2016. He was a mess in 2020. And now 2024, he seems to have a pretty good team with uh, Pat Summerall's daughter running things, who seems to be a big enemy of Ron DeSantis. But Ron DeSantis is extremely tough, extremely smart, extremely successful. And his instincts are real strong. And he's indefatigable. And he's not going to make – he's going to make mistakes on policy – but I don't think he's going to make mistakes on, you know, the easy mistakes that Trump makes or having lunch with a white supremacist or Kanye West. If this is um, if he's anti-Semitic and a lot of other things, you know, I don't think he's going to have any of those type issues. But Ron DeSantis has got to get in now, I think, and to, if for no other reason. Not that he's running out of time. He's running out of time because of what's happening now and with people picking sides. But I think DeSantis has got to get in. Uh, because I think he needs to make sure he has got a good staff. I think he sort of makes sure those other people thinking about not endorsing him have a true choice. He could say, well, you and look, you were getting in. Number two is there's a big story on Disney, big divide on Disney. 
When it comes to cracking down on Disney, DeSantis is in a pitch battle with Disney Corporation. Why? They came out and mischaracterized his bill. And they said, so don't say gay bill. And that Disney came out about it with all their power at California. And then Ron DeSantis goes, really? Why do you guys have a sweetheart deal from the 1950s? And you have a whole autonomous zone. Why don't I take that away from you? Disney battled back and found a loophole and then took took power back. And now DeSantis is going back. So they're uh, wrestling to the ground. But guess what else is happening? Other conservatives like John Sununu, um, John Sununu, uh, Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, like Chris Christie, governor of New Jersey, former, uh, like Vice President Mike Pence. And now Donald Trump have all said that's anti conservative. I don't think it's a good move to fight with a corporation, especially Disney. That means so much. And by the way, Jeb Bush said the same thing to me. We were doing a a feature on who was Ron DeSantis. So you understand what's going on here. So that's the message. The GOP, this to me is okay. That's healthy. That's a good debate. Don't get personal. Don't make up stuff about eating, eating, uh, pudding with your hands. Don't go make stuff up that he's, uh, he wants people to retire at 70. Don't go make, uh, make stuff up that, uh, he does. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron DeSantis wants to take away your Social Security or your Medicare. What he wants to do is make it solvent, like every other Republican used to want to do. More from Sabato, cut thirty-four. I don't think it's a mistake so far, but you know we're getting close to May, June. That's pretty much the deadline, and you've got the first Republican debate coming up in August. I think that's on Fox. So. Uh, you know, it's time to go ahead and jump in. He is right now the major opposition to Trump. And it would be a little easier for him in small groups and large if he were actually a declared candidate. It would also be easier for his uh, TV ad uh, people as well. They could uh, they could go right after Trump and other candidates if they chose. And Nikki Haley's been quiet on this issue, but she's been the strongest since she declared her candidacy. She seems to be the biggest, the busiest. Vivek Ramaswamy is in there. Asa Hutchinson's in there. And Vivek is probably making himself known worldwide. I don't think he has a legitimate shot, but he'll be very formidable on stage. He's not a, uh, his knowledge and intellect is through the roof. And Nikki Haley's experience is phenomenal. As Mike Pence is not going to be intimidated but no one is stronger, has stronger personality than Donald Trump. I also think Chris Christie's getting in. The former uh, governor of New Jersey was talking to potential donors, uh, um, former staffers, and basically said, I'll need all of you if I'm going to do this thing. He thinks that somebody, uh, this might be the right time for him. He says he also sees himself as a candidate who would appeal to enough independence to beat Joe Biden. My goodness, you got to be able to beat Joe Biden. I think that goes without saying, I thought. I thought Brian Kemp would get in for a while. I thought Tom Cotton would get in. Neither are. Mike Pompeo is not getting in. He's going to get into the show at some point, at some hour. Now, Republicans won't win, won't take back the Senate, may not hold the House if they don't get a hold and start tackling these new voting rules. Even though they're abhorrent, if you have voting season instead of voting day, instead of voting week, you have instead of voting day, you have voting week or voting month. And it makes it too easy. I get it. But in the states that have not reformed, you have to have a policy. You have to have a plan. Ned Ryan from the American Majority, really bright guy with Norman Laura last night, said this about what the Republicans are not doing. Cut 35. And we're not going to win simply on the power of our ideas, Laura. We actually have to build the machine. And I would point to Florida as an example. Right. I don't think a lot of people know that as in, in 2018, 
Democrats held over a quarter million voter registration advantage in the state, and yet today, 2023, Republicans now have a 450,000 registration advantage because they were actually determined to overcome that deficit. And when they were down in voter registration in Florida, Republicans took the time to actually fund real absentee ballot chase programs. That's why they won 21 of 24 statewide races since 2010, because they put 10 million into an absentee right. ballot chase program over six weeks. The votes are there, Laura, if we have the force of will and determination to actually fund the right things. So that is a strategic issue. That's like saying I got the most talent, but I'm not practicing if you're a football team. Well, if you're not practice, if you don't go over the new rules, if, for example, it's like being a baseball team saying, yeah, I heard about the new pitch clock, heard about the bigger bases. I heard about the lack of shift, but I'm not going to prepare for it. I got the best team. No, you need the best strategy for the new rules. You may hate the rules. doesn't matter. Well, you're a 41-year-old pitcher who can't get used to it. Find a way or quit. And that's where Ronald McDaniel's got to listen to a guy like Ned Bryan. Either say he's wrong, they do have a strategy, or say he's right and ask for his help. There's enough money. In, I mean, there's so much money flowing into these parties and these programs and these candidates, even the one that's the most lightly funded, they've got to be able to put together a strategy that will allow whoever the nominee is to win. Because you don't want Joe Biden to win again, even if you're a Democrat. Don't tell me that that's better for the country. 67% of the country... Uh, it says he's got bad policies when it comes to the economy. Between 38 and 42 percent approve his overall job rating. And when things got tough, this guy was in Ireland for a week looking at different bricks his great-grandfather may have made. How does that help America? Nice family vacation when you retire or when you quit. Let me know how it goes. Not on our time. Brian Kilmeade Show. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Carol Markowitz, a New York Post columnist and co author of Stolen Youth How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating, uh, Indoctrinating a Generation, which we're witnessing, will be with us shortly. And if you've seen what's going on in New York and Chicago specifically, you'll want to hear from Heather McDonald. Uh, she is a crime expert, is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a contributing editor of City Journal, New York Times bestselling author. Her new book came out yesterday, When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. And basically being anti-cop killing the country. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You look at this whole special district, Walt Disney Corporation obviously owns a lot of it, but the district owns other land. What should we do with this land? Try to do more amusement uh, parks. Uh, Someone even said, like, maybe you need another state prison. Who knows? Disney download. Governor Ron DeSantis' fight with Disney has caused his possible GOP presidential opponents to pick a fight with him. Calling this brawl with CEO Bob Iger anti-conservative. Petty, way too personal. We're going to look at the 2024 race. Number two. It has the potential of civilizational destruction. If that's the case for AI and we only put in regulations after something terrible has happened, it may be too late to actually put the regulations in place. The AI may be in control at that point. What? Can't be avoided. AI is here and close to affecting everything we do. After Tucker sit down with Elon Musk, I'm even more concerned. Are you? 
Number one. These are reports of trafficking and abuse of migrant children. You can see a massive surge that begins to happen when? Oh, when you come to office in 2021. Thousands of children have ended up in punishing jobs across the country. Breaking point. Let's get this straight. The chaos crime drugs taking place at the border is the Biden administration's fault, and it's going to get worse. Cartels are getting richer. We get more drug addicted, more drug deaths and child abuse. Our only hope, hold on tight for two more years. Is that just about it? Joining us now is uh, Carol Markowitz of the New York Post. Carol, uh, immigration isn't necessarily your area of expertise, but you know in New York when you were here, illegal immigration Mm -hmm. is costing this city millions. Absolutely. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. The illegal immigration issue at our border is so desperate. And the fact that our government is so checked out on it, the Biden administration just doesn't mention it at all or mentions it in passing or pretends to care about it. And I think that Americans really need to understand what's going on there. It it has gotten to just astronomical levels where other cities are going to have to feel that pain in order for people to understand what's happening there. And so when Republican governors put the migrants on buses and ship them to places like, you know, Martha's Vineyard or New York City, et cetera, I think what they're doing is making people understand what those border towns are going through. So, Carol, I'm sure I don't want to tell you, especially reading your column, what's going on with Budweiser uh, mm-hmm. since it's wokeism. I'm sure I have to tell you about the battle with Disney that Ron DeSantis is having mm-hmm. as Disney tried to pull the fast one. And before the board was dissolved, said we are now officially saying that we'll forever be our own entity and will not be able to be touched by the state government. And now Ron DeSantis legally is trying to go around that and trying to develop their undeveloped land. Where is mm-hmm. this heading? So it's funny, you mentioned the Chris Christie comments where he says that it's not conservative for Ron DeSantis to be doing this. I fully disagree. I think it was not conservative for a corporation to have a special carve out in a state because they were so powerful. And I think what Ron DeSantis is doing is minimizing Disney's power. I don't know how anybody could be against that. It doesn't matter what side they're on. You don't want corporations having an astounding amount of power in any state. Um, so where, where it's heading is Disney picked this fight. It is now an all-out war. I think Governor DeSantis is going to win, um, and I think that it should really be a, a message to other corporations. Do your job. Sell your products. You know, market your business. Stay out of politics. Former Vice President Mike Pence criticized DeSantis. Governor Chris Tissy, Christie uh, said it's not conservative. Uh, we know President Trump has said that he's— He's got his clock cleaned by uh, by Disney. So Ron DeSantis also got initial criticism from uh, Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, who was also likely to be a candidate. But he does not mm-hmm. back down. This type of stuff is OK. I mean, go ahead. Fight it out, guys. But it also underlines the fact that the Republicans are certain Republicans are very comfortable being a blue collar, non-corporate associated party. Well, they can be comfortable with that, but they're still taking donations. Like, so what happened with Budweiser really exposed what Republicans, you know, are concerned with. I, I, I didn't like at all that so many Republicans came out and said, "Stop bothering Anheuser Busch for their ridiculous, um, you know, uh, ad or their co- collaboration with Dylan Mulvaney." I think that Republicans worried about Anheuser Busch donations need to understand the bigger picture, and that's that we we're, we are in a culture war. We didn't start this culture war, but it's here and it's happening. And the donations, which by the way are about fifty-fifty to Republicans and Democrats, are not a reason to uh, you know give a company some leeway and and not 
fight back against them. They can't be buying your silence with donations. Absolutely. That's exactly it. And again, it's not even like they're giving 95% of their donations to Republicans. They're literally a 50-50 company. They're supporting both sides. What are you protecting them for? Well, and you write about that too and, and and where it's going and how much capital and market share that Anheuser Bush is losing and it's not an organized boycott. It's small towns, big yeah. towns, big games, small games, big parks, small parks saying, Yeah, give me something else. Give me a course, give me yeah. anything else. I don't yeah. I don't want that. Especially because Dylan Mulvaney, it's not a, the the woman's on there. It's a man pretending to be a woman. It's a bad parody of what a woman is who doesn't know sports and acts like a child. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned in my piece, I think that Dylan Mulvaney spends a lot of time making fun of women, making fun of what being a woman is. I don't know. I I sort of don't buy this whole act. I I don't think that Dylan Mulvaney, you know, believes that uh, they're a woman. I I think that they really are are just mocking the idea of womanhood. There's so many examples of this. Um, And companies that are relying on Dylan Mulvaney to sell their product are making a big mistake. I think Budweiser was particularly a mistake because it's a, a... product that's traditionally marketed towards men. Um, but I think that the, all, all these companies need to understand that wokeness is is not popular and it's going to continue to grow and be an issue. Um, you know, we address in our book that this woke uh, virus has spread in so many different places, but corporations have been first to line up and say, we're, we're, you know, we believe these are our values. And they've really left out a large portion of the country that doesn't support this kind of thing. And I think fighting back and boycotting all of this is absolutely necessary. We're fighting for our culture. So I want you to hear Whoopi Goldberg could not disagree with you anymore. Listen to what she said in The View yesterday. I'm going to say this out loud. I'm a big but, but why, sir? fan. When I drank, I liked my Budweiser, okay? So I have a lot of feeling about this. <laughs> Bud Light's ad campaign with trans-influent Dylan McDermott. In Mulvaney. Mulvaney. Mulvaney, sorry. <laughs> Listen, Budweiser, we're all Americans here. We appreciate your beer, whether it's light or the regular beer. You have every right, and we have every right to buy it if we like it. Don't let them scare you. Right. Let us scare you. So don't let them scare you. Good luck with that, Budweiser. Do you think, take whatever advice you want from Whoopi Goldberg. Right. I mean, the, you know, she's saying they have every right. Sure, they have every right. And then we have every right not to drink their beer because we feel that that promotion is, is a problem. Um, again, I, the Whoopi Goldbergs of the world are relying on conservatives, moderates, anybody who's insulted by Dylan Mulvaney being on a butt can to say, oh, we don't we don't mind that much or or even though we mind, we're going to keep drinking this product anyway. People need to understand when the left goes after a product, they really target it for boycotting and they really do hold together. And I think the right needs to do the same thing. When when Nike came out with Dylan Mulvaney ads a few days after the Bud thing, um, you know, Dylan Mulvaney advertising sports bras, um, I, I think that a lot of conservatives said, oh, we're going to boycott Nike. Well, I've been boycotting Nike since they hired Colin Kaepernick, who was kneeling. So if people keep going back to these products who from corporations who obviously hate them, who don't want their business. I think we're going to continue to see this kind of marketing. But if you stand strong and say, I'm not going to be buying this, we're going to have a different issue. Kate Spade, Ultra uh, Beauty, you point mm-hmm. out. Uh, and you mentioned Nike as, as an ad. Nike has continued to shock everybody. You know, going to battle yeah. for the causes they're celebrating, these Democratic governors that are helping destroy their headquarters in Oregon. 
and where Phil right. Knight, the founder, came out and supported the Republicans. He says, I see what's happening to all these cities, but it didn't seem to matter. What about the so-called pressure that comes from their main financiers of BlackRock and J.P. Morgan Chase, mm-hmm. who say that, you know, I'm not going to – uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to recommend you as an investment. I'm not going to invest in your company if you don't start doing these political correct things, this so-called ESG well, movement. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely part of it. But a lot of these companies were doing that even before the ESG craze began. Um, I, you know, they, they could blame it on that, but that's not really what's going on here. They have there's been, These companies have been ideologically captured by this woke groups that I, I think have – um, marched on our institutions and really implemented themselves in these companies and in organizations and in institutions. And we've allowed it to happen. So in Stolen Youth, in our book, we, we trace how these groups took hold and how nobody stopped them. And now they're in control of so much of our society. So they can try to blame BlackRock or ESG scores, but that's really just a small part of it. And, and they're trying to deflect the blame, like, we have to do this. You don't have to do this. There's plenty of companies that don't do this and still succeed. Uh, Carol Wesley, you see what's going on here uh, in New York with, um, with, with these hearings on Monday and Tuesday, on Monday, mm-hmm. with uh, crime. And I just yeah. think that this just highlighting these people have been victims of crime of all different races and genders, front and center. And Nadler, when he came out and said this is a political stunt, and people laughed at him, including the right. victims of crime uh, in this yeah. area. I, I thought it was effective. Of course, C-SPAN didn't even carry it, which is unbelievable. Your mm-hmm. thoughts? That this is the whole problem with New York. I love New York. I was, you know, I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Brooklyn. And the issue to me about current New York City is that in 1980s, 1990s Brooklyn, when crime was high, none of my neighbors pretended it wasn't. Nobody was like, no, there's no crime happening. But that's what the, the left in New York City is forcing here. They're forcing the idea that crime is really not that bad. And they're saying it to crime victims who clearly have lived through it. When you have Rep. Goldman, um, you know, who's a trust fund baby and has had a very wealthy life, you know, saying that you can't criticize Soros because he's Jewish and that's anti-Semitic to criticize Soros. I'm Jewish. I don't think that Soros policies are good policies. So I'm going to criticize him. And I don't think that there's anything related to his Judaism involved here. He funds prosecutors who do not prosecute prosecute crimes. That's a problem. And that's a problem for places like New York City, which are still trying to recover from the COVID pandemic and are trying to claw themselves out of the hole that the leftist politicians have dug for them. Um, I think that the the hearings are so important. I wish they were broadcasted more widely, but we need to be talking about them because the denial of crime, that's the first step in beating it. We have to get over that denial. New York City politicians have to get over that denial. I hear you. Thanks so much. Carol Markwitz, appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, pick up her book, Soul and Youth. Meanwhile, don't forget, I'm going to be on The Five tonight and talk more about this, but next is for you, one 408-7669 or write me at briankillme.com. Uh, not only this, we have not discussed EI yet with Elon Musk. AI, AI, uh, AI yet. Uh, Elon Musk uh, opens up to Tucker. He was at the forefront of AI innovation, and now he's really concerned about the direction it's going to the point where he does not speak to his the co-founder of Google, uh, Larry Page. Some fallout over this, and he's going to f- uh, f- form his own AI company. Like he needs another. Brian Kilmeade Show. I'll explain. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What happens when something uh, vastly smarter than the smartest person uh, comes along in silicon form? Uh, it's very difficult to predict what will happen in that circumstance. It's called the singularity. It's you know, a singularity like a black hole because yes. you, don't, you don't know what happens after that. It's hard to predict. So I think we should be cautious with uh, AI, um, and we should. I think there should be some government oversight uh, because it affects the. It, it's a danger to the public. No kidding. Uh, there should be some government oversight by people who's who are being advised by Elon Musk and other people like that, who know what's going on. I mean, most of these guys are in their 80s, not their fall, women, and they don't really understand AI. They barely understand the Internet. So they have to have somebody with them that's cutting edge that could explain, that has no agenda, what exactly is at stake here and where this potentially could go. That was Elon Musk yesterday, so concerned about how this thing was founded. He separated from the co-founder of Google, Larry Page, and said, we just have not spoken since. Now Google's going to town, and they have the chatbot GBT. They have their own thing called BARD. Chatbot GBT is a Microsoft. And he says they're already getting political points of view put into the so-called AI. Okay, artificial intelligence. But you're putting you're putting perceived intelligence in there. You're putting opinions in there. But you're supposed to be taking everything. That's fine. Well, you can't comment on Donald Trump, but you could say uh, great things about Joe Biden. Do you want AI like that? Are we really getting off to that bad of a start? It seems the answer is yes. He says now he's going to start his truth AI. So he's got another company to start to try to save humanity. You know, people like C. Bannon and others say don't ever believe Elon Musk. I thought he came off great, and uh, he's had a legitimate concern. As a founder, when I see, I, I think it was um, Eric Schmidt, I believe that's his uh, first name, the, the co-founder, one of the founders of Google. He uh, was doing the rounds yesterday, uh, but I shouldn't say yesterday, a couple of weeks ago especially, and I think it was on Meet the Press where he basically said, look, we put out social media, the Internet, we thought there was no downside to it. Obviously, there's a downside to it. We're witnessing a whole generation who's paying the price for it because we didn't think it through about how addicting this could be and how people might manipulate it for commercial or evil reasons. Can we possibly pre-think AI before we just instinctively say if it's innovative, we're going to bring it forward? And that's the way it's going to be. So he just talked about that, and he talked about how he doesn't know what's next and how it's actually here already. And they said that over the weekend, the weekend, it's called weekend, ironically, and Drake, they put together both men's libraries into AI, and it came out with a hit song with millions of downloads. And they had to pull it back. I am not sure if they the either artist team had anything to do with it, but can you imagine? AI just wrote a hit song for two very successful artists. What if Billy Joel hasn't written a song in a long time? Goes, all right. Put all my library in. Put my whole library in there. Put some news stuff in because I like to write about the news. So uh, see what we get. See if I can get a great Billy Joel song because he stopped writing. Maybe it's too hard. Maybe he's bored with it. But can you imagine if uh, Paul McCartney was able to put in all the Beatles, all the Wings, all his solo work, and then come up with a super album? Does he get credit for that? Does he get revenue on that? I think the answer is yes, but all this stuff has to be worked out. I mean, wouldn't it be great to put everything you know about cancer survivors 
and cancer victims, put that into the to the hopper, and AI comes out with this is the perfect medicine. This is a vaccine. That's great. But don't you think we should be thinking about this stuff first? Thinking about what could it be? And then if they decide the world's a better place without humans, it's bad news for everybody listening and me. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. The far left doesn't want to talk about crime. They don't want to hear the word crime spoken. Do you know who are the victims of crime? Over 70% black, brown, and poor. So tell me, who does the Democratic Party really represent, if not the black, brown, and poor? And when you refuse to address the issue of crime, The people who are paying the price are the black, brown, and poor. They're paying the price for your far-left politics. Far-left politics? You believe that? That is a disgraced governor, Andrew Cuomo, trying to do what Bill Maher is doing and speak logically as as a liberal Democrat. But you have to know his bail reform that he signed into law and a lot of the things that he presided over has everything to do with the mess New York City's in. Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, name a major city or a minor city. It's all because of these this soft on crime principles and the collapse in many societal foundations. That is not news to Heather McDonald. She's a Thomas W. Smith fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a contributing editor of New York City Journal, a New York Times bestseller. Her latest book is out this week, When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. Heather, welcome back. Well, Brian, thank you so much for having me on. It's great being with you. So it sounds like Andrew Cuomo read your book. It's remarkable. Uh, I, I I can't really explain it, uh, except maybe there's now the, the lies have gotten so heavy that even some previously brain-dead Democrats just can't take it any longer. And, and they realize that if we continue to tear down every civilizational standard in the name of fighting phony racism, in the name of this lie that America today is racist and Americans are, are systemically racist, if we continue tearing down our institutions, our standards, we are going to be facing utter anarchy and chaos. You know, it's amazing, Heather. By the way, the, I'm talking to probably the foremost expert on crime who not only tries, wants to stop it, but study it. But, but Heather, you believe a turning point was the George Floyd riots. Uh, and people thought it was a great moment for racial uh, equality. It was a terrible moment for the country, especially the ramifications. In what way? Every institution that had nothing to do with what happened to George Floyd uh, went on record declaring itself systemically racist. You had classical music organizations, opera companies, symphonies, banks, restaurants, cancer labs, medical schools, law firms, law schools, all beating their chest and saying, 
woe is me, we're to blame for George Floyd and, and our new mission. We, we, you may have thought we were, our mission was to, to be a law firm and, and, and defend clients or represent clients. You may have thought we were an art museum and our mission was to pass on the greatest works of human civilization. No, our mission is anti-racism. This became the complete uh, mantra among the elites. And as a result, uh, the only thing that one can find today that is remotely in the racist category is something that isn't, but it's a standard that has a disparate impact on blacks. So, for example, we're now tearing down gifted and talented education programs that are colorblind, that are constitutional, that are, that are neutral, that are objective, but we've decided that we want to deprive America's most talented children from the opportunities to advance and and maximize their skills to the highest level because those those programs don't have a representative sample of blacks in them and and a, a colorblind test of academic achievement right if it turns out that blacks don't do as well on them we've decided that's a racist standard and we're going to eliminate it and we started doing that all across the board after George Floyd. And we are embracing mediocrity. We are destroying excellence. We're destroying scientific progress. Uh, and, and this is going to really impoverish the country. There are 1,000 cops down in Los Angeles. There are about 2,000 down from where they were in New York City. They're making everybody work overtime. And then just to show you how little they've learned – they came out, and I was kind of encouraged. And Mayor Adams came to an agreement that gave him a contract, gave the cops a contract, and upped their rookie salary to $55,000 from forty-two. Guess who's upset about it? AOC. How dare you? They should, the money should go to teachers. Teachers get plenty of money. 65000 to start in New York City. I'm not, nothing against teachers. But that shows somebody that doesn't even understand what's being happened to their own constituents. They can't walk the streets like they used to. Their lives are affected. The, the ransacking of, of, um, of CVS and Rite Aid down the block. Why don't they see what we see? It's a total mystery, Brian. They have decided this is, this is what I find most puzzling. So you declare yourself a black activist. You know, who, who, what's your credentials? I don't know. But let's just, we'll, okay, we'll assume that you're a civil rights activist. We'll give you that. Okay, now you have a choice. You can either be defending black criminals. You can be defending black victims. It wasn't for foreordained that the activists would decide we're throwing in our, our lot with black criminals. They could say, no, actually, it's a civil rights problem that blacks between the ages of 10 and 24 die of gun homicide at 25 times the rate of whites between the ages of 10 and 24. That's a problem, 25 times the rate. They don't care about that. Because if they talk about who's killing those blacks at 25 times the rate of whites, the answer is blacks. It's not the police. It's not whites. It's blacks. Blacks commit gun homicide at that disparate rate compared to whites. And we have decided as a country, and certainly the activists have decided this, that we would rather blame ourselves for phony racism than look head on at these inner city pathologies that are giving rise to these barbaric drive-by shootings that are taking young children, young black children's lives, right. toddlers, 
uh, you know, that, that that's the lie that we're living, and it's costing lives, and predominantly black lives. So uh, Heather McDowell, my guest, and she has got a brand new book out. you got to go grab it, especially if you want to speak intelligently about what's going on with crime and uh, law and justice in America. Uh, and it is uh, her latest book is called When Race Trumps Merit. So I want you to see. So you saw the video of those teenagers, seemingly teenagers, rioting in Chicago, just ran, just beating up random people, breaking stores, jumping on, blowing up cars. And this is what the mayor elect, Brandon Johnson, had to say. Uh, he said, in no way do I condone this destructive activity. We saw the loop and lakefront this weekend. It's unacceptable. No place. However, it is not constructed to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. Not once did he mention the law or reveal the punishment for its behavior. Um, he said he grew up in the same environment. So are we being too simplistic of saying to enforce the law with those teens instead of finding out why they acted like that? No, he is absolutely condoning that behavior. They are not acting out of deprivation. They all have cell phones. That's how they organize these mobs, these flash mobs. These are not deprived kids. If they wanted opportunities, here what they could have done. They could have gone to the – visited the Art Institute of Chicago rather than smashing their way into it. But, of course, the Art Institute of Chicago recently dismissed all of its docents who could have given tours to these kids and introduced them to the Art Institute's museum collection of art because the docents were all white. And so the, the Art Institute decided we have to cancel our docent program because we can't employ right. whites any longer. Um, but, you know, this, this which is nuts that you just said that we can't employ whites any longer. Why would they dismiss them? We're white killing, calling all across the board. I mean, that's what racial preferences are in, in universities. We're trying to get down the number of whites and Asians. There was an uh, orchestra in, in Britain. Half of it, 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 it fired half of its musicians simply because they were white. This is going on across the board, Brian. Every, every time we talk about diversity, it's all zero sum. You are you are denying opportunities to the most qualified people uh, with these racial double standards in order to have uh, achieve diversity. But here's the here's the fact, Brian: you can have diversity or you can have meritocracy. You cannot have both. We have decided we're having diversity, and that means getting rid of meritocracy because the academic skills gaps are so great. Uh, an average black 12th grader, 66% of black 12th graders do not possess even partial mastery of basic 12th grade math skills such as arithmetic or recognizing a linear function on a graph. 66% are not even partially mastered in, in math skills. Zero, like zero percent of black 12th graders, too small to show up statistically, are advanced in math. And yet we say that if Google doesn't have 13 percent black engineers or computer scientists or an Alzheimer's research lab doesn't have 13 percent black neurologists working in it, it's a racist lab and we have to tear down the standards and hire on the basis of race, not merit. It's insane. And for those people, I just saw this incident that happened, I guess, two days ago. It was published yesterday. You have um, uh, you have a, a black kid, teenager, knock on the wrong door, ring the wrong doorbell and get shot by some uh, some angry resident, it seems. So a black kid gets shot by a white elderly man. OK, the same day, a white kid pulls into the wrong driveway, three white girls 
and the guy opens up for fire. And good, as she was pulling out, when she realized it, the homeowner opens up and shoots and kills one of the girls. A white, uh, tragic situation. It was a misidentification of an address in both situations. But the president of the United States comes out and comments on the teenager that got shot and, and thankfully survived, as opposed to the white kid that pulled into the wrong driveway and got shot and killed and was a passenger in the car. Total double standard. Uh, you know, the only the, here's who for whom Black Lives Matter, the police. That's who Black Lives Matter. You know who commits most interracial violence? Brian, blacks. If you look at all interracial violence between blacks and whites, on the one hand, and whites and blacks, you look at that total universe of interracial violence, blacks commit 88% of it. It is blacks who are killing whites, not whites who are killing blacks. And yet the mayor of Kansas City, where the shooting of the black teenager occurred, said, oh, so now we've got another ex-wild black, and so now it's knocking on the door while black. And, 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 and Benjamin Crump, the ubiquitous civil rights attorney, said, oh, you know, we have to stop mowing down black individuals just because of their race. Uh, you have to be able to go outside and stop feeling hunted. Biden p- pulls out his usual nonsense about black parents shouldn't have to fear that their children are going to be killed by whites every time they go out there. That's all lies, Brian. It's lies. The people who are killing these black children are blacks. Blacks do not have anything to fear from whites. The reason that the black death by homicide rate is so high is because blacks are killing other blacks. It's a complete racial double standard. The fact of the matter is white lives don't matter. You know, there, there are there are you can talk about like how about driving while white. That's the reality, driving while white with all of the the carjackings that are going on. Or how about walking while Asian? We've seen the videos of these black kids in San Francisco beating up elderly Asians. Or how about being a store clerk while Asian or or while Arab? You saw the looting videos out out of L.A. this weekend following the street takeover of the gas station that was absolutely looted. Uh, and, and what happens in these, these looting incidents is often the store clerks are beat up. These are black kids that are engaged in these rampages because their family structure is broken down and society has sent them the message that they are immune from the law because uh, they live in a racist society, mm-hmm. as Brandon Johnson tells us, you know, and they've been deprived of opportunities. That's complete BS. So here's what Madeline Brom said, and we're up against the clock, but I want you to hear the mother of a New York City murder victim who happens to be black. She's at the hearing, and she got told that she's a prop. Cut 45. She's capable at any moment of snapping and attacking someone and holding them while someone else plunges a butcher knife into their body nine times and another person 12 times and then run away and leave their body in the street to bleed to death. This is the type of criminal element that we have walking the streets of New York City on a daily basis. All types of criminal elements, free to do what they want, when they want, however they want, to whomever they want, with no consequences, no deterrence. And Congressman Johnson, black, 
was sitting there telling everyone your props, and she just was, that's just a portion of her testimony. Do you think for a second that she's been scripted or someone told her what to do? She had her, uh, she's mother of a New York City murder victim, and she just exploded because she feels like these, they're trying to live their lives in a working class community, and they can't. Final thought on that? Well, everything that you see that is so insane in our criminal justice system today is all driven by disparate impact, and it means that mothers like that, we are decided we're not going to enforce the law because it has a disparate impact on black criminals. That's why you have Bragg there. That's why you have Fox saying we're not going to prosecute resisting arrest, trespass. When you do that, we all suffer, and black people suffer the most. This lie has to end, Brian. We have to stop copping to phony charges of racism and start defending law and order. We have to start defending the police. And we have to start defending civilization. Get the answers to what's going on with crime in America by getting Heather McDonald's book, One Race Trump's Merit. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Brian. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Can you have a democracy with this? Well, that's why I raise the concern of... Um, AI being a significant influence in elections. Um, and, and even if you say that AI doesn't have agency, well, it's very likely that people will use the AI um, as a tool uh, in elections. Um, and then, it, you know, if the AI is smart enough, it, it, are they using the tool or is the tool using them? So I think things, things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Uh, that is very interesting, where a guy with that huge vocabulary and this huge swath of knowledge says things are getting weird and they're getting weird fast because his name is Elon Musk. And they talk about AI and the things it's doing and, and the places it can go quickly. And can it be smarter than you? Can it be for good? Absolutely. Uh, can, it, can it cure cancer? Maybe. Uh, can it quickly put up a defense strategy, military defense strategy to stop China? And can China put up a military defense strategy to stop or, or take us over? Uh, can they do an analysis on different ways America is vulnerable? Can we do an analysis on other people? Do we want that level uh, of intellect, fighting another level of intellect, who's ever AI is better, gets to win the war? I, mm, as long as there's these evil thoughts in the world from this new axis of evil, AI's got to worry them. If we're all on the same page, I'd feel a bit better about it. But every time I watch one of these interviews, whether it's on 60 Minutes on Sunday, Elon Musk Part 2, and Part 1 on Monday and Tuesday, the more curious I get and the more concerned and uh, the more concerned I'm getting, actually, because so many other people smarter than me are concerned. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Uh, the former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo made it clear he does not want to run for president or he's not going to run for president. Doesn't mean he's not going to run in the future. Still a young guy, not even 60. Uh, his book is a bestseller, but he'll be on with us to offer the analysis of some of the emerging facts coming out of these committee hearings when it comes to COVID and the origins, as well as the battle for 2024 going on without him. But very intriguing. Well, Donald Trump right now is enjoying a lead in just about every state. 
and we do not have a full field yet. You got to think Chris Christie. You got to think Mike. Uh, you got to think Mike Pence. You have to think uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and possibly Mayor Suarez will be jumping in. Mike Rogers mentioned jumping in. We can't forget about that. Uh, I, I guess Christy Nome can't rule it out. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You look at this whole special district. Walt Disney Corporation obviously owns a lot of it, but the district owns other land. What should we do with this land? Try to do more amusement uh, parks. Uh, someone even said, like, maybe you need another state prison. Who knows? That is... Governor Ron DeSantis, Disney download. Governor Ron DeSantis' fight with Disney has caused his possible GOP presidential opponents to pick a fight with him, calling the brawl with the CEO Bob Iger anti-conservative, petty, and way too personal. We're going to look at the 2024 race. Number two. It has the potential of civilizational destruction. If that's the case for AI and we only put in regulations after something terrible has happened, it may be too late to actually put the regulations in place. The AI may be in control at that point. That is Elon Musk. Can't be avoided. Our AI is here and close to affecting everything we do. After Tucker sit down with Elon Musk, I'm more concerned. Are you? Number one. These are reports of trafficking and abuse of migrant children. You can see a massive surge that begins to happen when? Oh, when you come to office in 2021. Thousands of children have ended up in punishing jobs across the country. That is very interesting. Josh Howey lets loose on Mayorkas, who's terrible, we know, but this administration's even worse. Breaking point. Let's get this straight. The chaos crime and drugs taking place at the border is the Biden administration's fault and getting worse. They want to blame Trump. They want to talk about child separation that took place in 2017. Nothing to do with this. Cartels are getting richer. We're getting more drug addicts. We're getting more drug deaths. And now child abuse. Our only hope? Hold on tight until election. I was just watching now on the television screen. We cut into it on Fox News. Mayor Adams pleading with the federal government on, on television saying, I need financing for our illegal immigrants that are here. You know how many came? 55,000 in the last fiscal year. You know how many are still here? Between 32 and 36,000. You know how much money from the federal government is coming here? Almost zero. You know how much money they're putting into it? Billions of dollars. They've taken over 16, maybe more hotels and put ungrateful legal immigrants for the most part in these hotels. You feed them, you clothe them, you have to deal with them. And it's all coming out of our dollars away from the people that pay most, pay, uh, pay the price and pay the tax money into it. Look, they're taking money out of my paycheck for city fees. I don't live here. They can take New York state money, uh, uh, New York state out. I understand it, but it's way too high for the, for the, what you get. And now all of a sudden they're going to say the tax dollars are going to this while you're thirty billion dollars thirty million dollars over budget on an annual basis. And yet they're they're actually complaining that the police got their first raise since twenty seventeen. They've been working without a contract. It is absolutely crazy. Wherever you go, for any responsible mayor, they know this is killing their city. The quality of life of the people that live there. That's why I thought Monday was so valuable and not a political stunt. When they had victims of crimes of all colors, shapes, and sizes come forward and say, I don't know who you voted for, but tell me your situation. Tell me about the guy that committed 12 previous crimes and then stabbed your son to death. Tell me why he got zero cash bail while they knocked off your store. And, of course, you know the bodega owner, uh, excuse me, worker, that was nearly killed, and when he pulled out a knife and stabbed the assailant, he was put to Rikers Island. If it wasn't for the New York Post putting it on the front page and shows like this, talking about it nonstop, he would probably still be in there today. We saw the outrage. But it all comes down to the border. 
And Henry Cuellar has been the voice of reason. And he knows not only is Title 242 evaporating and to be essentially it's a, a, a piece of legislation put in place during the pandemic that says you can't come unless you're from a certain amount of countries. Uh, and there was a reason to restrict. That reason to restrict is gone. There's something, there's tens of thousands of people welling up to come here. Do you know, I've seen this video now from April 17th, which was Monday, of what looks to me 1,400, maybe 2,500 Chinese. Great, well-dressed. And the Darien Gap in Panama, walking their way here. The world want to get here in time for the evaporation in May. Of Title 42. And there's no plan to replace it with anything. You want to hear some emotion? You want to hear some passion? I'll let you hear it. Here's Josh Hawley with the exchange. Cut six. Are you proud of this record? Senator, the horrific exploitation of children is something that we do not condone. You are um, incorrectly attributing it uh, to our policies. Let me share with you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It began, look at, look at the numbers, look at the numbers. It began, this massive surge began when you came to office. In your first year in office, first year, there was a 342% surge of unaccompanied children across the border. So it got worse. Let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little deeper. He was talking about a New York Times story. There's 330,000 kids, child labor. Some disappeared off the charts. We have no record of them. You were upset about child and parents being separated. Why were they doing it? Originally, the the, um, attorney general at the time session thought it would be a good idea because we don't know if that child was actually the child of the person crossing the border. And we know they're breaking the law by coming here. Now, even the first lady at the time... Uh, Melania was against this policy. It ends up being uh, not a good policy. Understand the objective, but it was the wrong policy. Having said that, lasted for three, a couple of weeks, and then it was quickly adjusted. But what happened, you had unaccompanied minors and people coming across the border. You know what they did? They got DNA kits, and they start bringing it down there. And after a while, if you were really the mother of that child, it's no problem. If you're really the father of that child, it's no problem. As soon as you whipped out the swab, they would admit it's not their kid. And they would begin to get heads and tails and make... make uh, uh, and come up with a solvent policy that was beginning to work at the border. And during that time, Kristen Nielsen was fired. Another guy was fired. In comes another guy. They got the third guy. He ends up being the effective Homeland Security Secretary. But no one can doubt the President of the United States, Trump, was trying to solve the problem. Not this guy. Listen to Senator Roger Marshall. Cut eight. And the American people believe that this administration still has no plan to address the, the issue. The safety and security of families is the number one concern I hear from from my parents, from my family, from people up here in the Senate. You've made every community a border community. And the increase in fentanyl deaths and skyrocketing crime proves that. 300 people dying every day in America from fentanyl poisoning, a plane crashing every night. So... That doesn't seem to phase this Homeland Security Secretary. And I don't think his job's in danger. Why? Because the president doesn't care about the border. I think he doesn't care if it's wide open. He just wanted to be a political problem. That's the only reason why he addressed it to begin with. And the vice president just walks around waiting for the next eruption and some state house or some abortion rights conference. That's all she does. That's all she's interested in, race and abortion. That's all. And she doesn't do anything else. 
while she waits to find out if this president's going to run for four more years. But with Title 42 expiring, action needs to be taken. Listen to Senator James Langford of Oklahoma. Cut nine. We want to see what's happening in the border. Stop. I hear from you. You want to be able to see that as well. We want to see the implementation of this rule that you have out at this point to be able to get through the comment period. But May the 11th is coming very, very quickly, as you know full well, and the clock is ticking. When Title 42 ends and that 30 percent or so that you're turning around then accelerates into the country, a bad situation is about to get much worse. And even in some in your own team have estimated we may be at 11,000 people a day illegally crossing the border. Those are numbers literally our country has never seen. Senator James Langford, we'll talk about that. Look, every city is a border city. Every state is a border state. But the ones that take it on the chin are Texas, Arizona, and portions of New Mexico. And California doesn't even acknowledge it. They just open up the floodgates. All right, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. And we come back, Mike Pompeo joins us. Talks about the danger that's happening now. And specifically, tens of thousands of Chinese decided this is the time to come to America. I'm not buying it. You? Don't move. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we are back. Uh, joining me now is Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, CIA Director, Congressman uh, from Kansas and Fox News contributor, author of the bestseller, Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love. Um, Mr. Secretary, welcome back to Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian, it's great to be with you this morning. Hey, count me among the many people who thought for sure you were running. And before we talk about the issues of the day, when did you decide that you weren't going to be a contender for 2024? Oh, goodness, Brian. So, uh, look, we'd been working, trying to figure out if this was the right time. And really over the last handful of weeks, Susan, my wife Susan and I decided that this just wasn't the moment. And in spite of the fact that um, we, we care deeply about America, we think there is a lot that needs to be fixed and that that I could play a role in that. We just, uh, the moment wasn't quite right for us. So we've, we've now made clear we're going to go find other ways in which we can continue to stay in the conservative movement we've been in for our entire adult lives. And was it because that Trump was running so strong? No, it really was more personal than that. There's no algorithm. There's kind of no spreadsheet. Uh, no, it, it wasn't about the competitive dynamic. It was, it was about, for Susan and me, was this the place for us? I'm 59, Brian. Maybe there'll be another day. Maybe not. Um, but in the end, we just concluded uh, that we weren't in the right place to do this. Uh, interesting. Uh, are you surprised he's out in front like this? It's seemingly in every state. You know, who knows? Polls are polls, but they do show a trend. No, goodness. I, I'm not surprised. The, the work that we did for four years uh, delivered good outcomes for America. I, it doesn't surprise me that uh, uh, Republicans and indeed folks across a broad political spectrum would say, no, some, some more of that would be good. Um, so there's a little bit of that's true, but you have other people there that were part of that. Mike Pence looks like he's getting in, and Nikki Haley was a part of it. Sure. Uh, sure. And and Trump was impeached twice. Here's what Asa Hutchinson, who is in, said: Cut thirty. Donald Trump uh, has taken us back to uh, bitterness. He's taken us back to uh, uh, you know what's a, a personal vendetta. Uh, whenever you look at what he wants to do as president, it's more about getting even with his political enemies than leading our country. And that concerns me. Uh, is, he, is, is he describing him as, as you see it? Hey, Brian, I do share the view that 
uh, the American people care about things that happen tomorrow, not things that happened yesterday or, or four years ago. I, I, I'm hoping that this campaign on both sides of the aisle, frankly, uh, will be about what is it that you're going to do to make life better for the American people? How do we keep us safe? We've watched all the work that I did as Secretary of State. We've watched it unravel in just, uh, goodness, just a little under two and a half years. I hope that this campaign will be about what's the vision and how you actually execute and deliver on that. It won't be about tweets or owning the libs. It'll be about good, positive vision for America. Had I gotten in the race, I would have talked about America in that way. I hope all the candidates will do that. Not looking backwards, Brian. That's not. It's neither useful, nor do I think it's the right answer to get folks to support you and vote for you either. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting, too, because there's something else that's dividing Republicans kind of surprised me uh, because – uh, Ron DeSantis is taking on Disney, and, you know, it's a pitch battle between the two. First, he said, oh, you're coming out against my bill. You're putting the power of Disney out bond and mislabel my bill. Don't say gay bill when he just says don't bring up gender studies and sexuality to preschoolers and to grade schoolers, which I think we all agree. I think every clear-thinking person thought was a good idea. When Disney came out against him, he said, so I'll take your autonomous status away. And then when they said, okay, we have another move, we're going to put it back in and dissolve the board – He's coming back at him again. Among the people that are against this move is uh, Chris Sununu, Chris Christie, Mike Pence, Jeb Bush, as well as Donald Trump. Where do you side? <laughs> uh, I side with the people of Florida. The people of Florida know that uh, the, the bill the governor passed to keep the silliness out of the schools for young kids was absolutely the right direction. I think the people of Florida also have benefited enormously uh, from the opportunities that Disney has provided, the thousands of jobs, uh, uh, you know, tourists that come uh, by the millions every year. Uh, we, 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 there's no need to be petty. There's no need to be vindictive. Just get the policy thinking right, right? work your tail off, and uh, not only will voters reward you, but you will have done your part as a, a leader. I, I think Governor DeSantis has done a remarkable job. I think he got the the policy right. Just don't don't look backwards. Stay stay delivering. Manage. Lead a state forward, and uh, the people of Florida will reward you for that. So I'm not here. Here's what he said. Cut twenty two. Here we are, and we're just going to have to um, you know keep fighting back, and we will continue to do it because there's a larger principle at stake than just about you know this company and everything. It's it's ultimately uh, we are a government of laws not a government of individual men or even a government of woke corporations based in California. So he is not giving up and he says, I might convert the vacant land to a prison. Do you, th- do you think that's a blue collar way to approach the new Republican party is more blue collar than corporate than it maybe it used to be. And this is an example of that. Or do you think it's an example of conservatives getting involved in business and, and they shouldn't. Yeah, I, I'm closer to the latter than the former. There's no doubt our party is made up of people who take care of their families, uh, love love their Lord, and are working their tails off. I think that is absolutely true. I also think that same set of people, Brian, uh, aren't interested in fighting these silly silly fights. Right? The, the idea you're going to put a uh, prison there, right? That's just that's politics. Uh, get it right. Uh, deliver good outcomes. If, if Disney's not comporting with Florida law, for goodness sake, require them to comport with Florida law. Uh, no special favors for any business. That's the conservative model that we've had. Keep government out of the way. I hope businesses will decide they're going to st- stop doing silly stuff and being um, being involved in the political process in ways that are disconnected from their shareholders and the value creation. Uh, they need to do theirs, but leaders need to stay out of 
uh, getting in childish fights over things that don't matter to the people of their whether you're the president of the country or governor of their state, if you're a city councilman, uh, the city that you lead. Uh, since you left office, China's in a, 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 a hundred, a 360 degree push against us, whether it's attacking the dollar, whether it's taking over Latin America, whether it's trying to influence uh, Europe and bringing them over and courting them with visits to Beijing, whether it's uh, military exercises, live fire exercises over Taiwan. I've never in my lifetime seen anything like it. Do you think this administration's up to fighting it? Don't you agree that we have to fight them in every way, politically, socially, uh, diplomatically? And do you think we're doing that? Uh, yes, I absolutely think that this is something that we've got to take on in a very serious way. We, we, and we actually got this right in the Trump administration. We recognized the threat. That didn't mean we didn't leave a lot undone. This is going to take an awfully long time. And in the end, Xi Jinping has made this decision. He has gone to economic war with the United States of America, and we have an absolute responsibility to confront them. I know you were talking earlier with Senator Langford about the folks who are coming across our border, the Chinese uh, citizens who are coming across our border illegally. This is just another element of the Chinese using their economic power uh, and their capacity to run authoritarian states to undermine our democracy here in America. And we should confront it in every place and with every tool of power the United States has. He's not running, but he's going to be a valuable voice, especially through 2024. Mike Pompeo, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Have a good day, sir. You got it. Uh, Back in a moment, Brian Kilmeade Show. Your calls are next. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The administration's continued failures on the border put Arizona communities and our national security at risk. The ongoing influx of migrants puts serious strain on DHS resources, and it forces Border Patrol agents out of the field and into processing and administrative roles. With the Title 42 termination imminent, I remain concerned that DHS is not ready. This is the same sentiment that I expressed at this same hearing last year, and unfortunately no action has been taken between now and then to change my opinion. And the thing that makes that significant is that's Kirsten Cinema, and that's why she left the Democratic Party, I assume. She's different, uh, but that is why she's an independent, and that's what's so outrageous. Now, she did not speak up last year when it would have really affected the election if you had a Democrat coming forward saying outrageous is and and ripping Mayorkas, it would have made a much bigger deal but the sitting senator goes out and one of the few Democrats outside Henry Cuellar is on the House side to say anything about the biggest disaster going on internally in our country, let alone with possibly is 10 to 15,000. I understand now I was wrong. I thought it was about 1,500, 15,000 at the Darien Gap in Panama, timing this to get here for the dissolving of Title 42. Dean, listening on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Dean. Yeah, hey, boy. You know, as long as we keep focusing on the, the Republicans, that is, keep focusing on how dumb this administration is and how stupid they are, and uh, I, that's not what the problem is. Any high school kid walking into his house with a key, opens the front door, knows that that's why the door is locked. And if he keeps the door open and invites anybody who wants to come in to help themselves to the refrigerator, that's no longer going to be his house. Something else is going on here, and it's not because they're stupid. 
It's because they're doing this on purpose. Now, why they're doing this can be debated. Why they're doing it, I have my own opinions, but that could be a problem, and that could be the discussion. But not that they're stupid. That's not what's happening. We've got a bigger problem than the dumb administration. I, I do. Yeah, I don't think it's incompetence. I think it's intentional, 100%. So that's why when they were saying you can impeach him and get rid of him, because is the problem now. He's doing a terrible job, and he does. he's a terrible spokesperson. He, he looks like he's lying from the moment he opens up his mouth. He has no problem doing it under oath. He is totally inaccurate when he says it's Donald Trump's fault for the worst policies. There's something that happened back in 2017, and we're in 2023 now. Just like these idiots who expect us to believe that the Afghanistan pullout was Trump's fault, I couldn't stop Trump's pullout program. When you stopped everything else he did from the XL pipeline on down, you reversed everything that he wanted to do with NATO, making everyone pay uh, 2%. You had a plan in place, and suddenly you couldn't push it, push back the deadline or the operation. When you already pushed back the deadline and the operation to September because you wanted it to be September 11th, it's all something they expect us not to be paying attention to. Dean on WABC, you are. Larry, you're in Myrtle Beach. Hey, Larry. Good morning, Brian. Hey, I'll make it real quick. Um if if I go out in my backyard and decide to shoot my gun up in the air and people and the neighbors and whatever saying you don't you shouldn't do that somebody could get hurt, well a bullet goes up it comes down and hits someone on the head and kills them, okay. Biden was told by all of his top people there, do not do this, do not exit Afghanistan like you did. Well he didn't listen to people, he went and did it his way. And what happened? We lost 13 precious soldiers, service people. Now, should he not or could he not be charged with involuntary manslaughter or reckless homicide? Uh, It's a a hopeless uh, black hole. This is what you do. He should not have gotten what he got was abortion overwhelmed the midterms, made a thing like people were happy with Joe Biden. We're watching Joe Biden wither before our eyes. And this is where he was two years ago. He's not making all the decisions. And if he is, it's even scarier because the guys in Ireland walking around on a heritage tour, well, the whole world is blowing up and China's taking over. And when it comes to Afghanistan, to roll out that report one day before East, one day before uh, Good Friday, goes off to Camp David, then goes to Ireland and expects us to not that to pass the laugh test is a joke. And he knows we have hundreds of people left behind right now. The Taliban are not letting it out. But there's word is we're still giving them aid. And we can't because the money's going right to that evil regime, which is fomenting terror and 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 the most horrific conditions for women and children you can imagine. And the only people they're killing are terrorists and using our guns and ammo to do it. So I, I can't imagine a, a scenario that's even worse. This should put the wind at the back of Republicans. But if they don't get their message straight... Believe it or not, on neither thing we were talking about, the border or Afghanistan, they're not going to win. Because you know what trumps that to this country, it seems, by almost all the polling? Abortion. Chris, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Listen. Uh, not too much. Actually, I'm glad you bring up abortion because it's really simple. The policies of the last two years is what's led us to an open border and the problem we have down there. But I don't actually fault the Democrats because I think it's done on purpose. I fault the Republicans because not only in the midterms did we not pick up the seats we needed to in the House, but I believe that Donald Trump lost because of the moderate, suburban voter 
that would like to see some compromise from the conservatives on a woman's choice. I think it's simple. We should have done 15 weeks, like Lindsey Graham said, and I believe that what, Don, what Ron DeSantis did, which is actually my governor who I love in Florida, to reduce it to five weeks will affect them in the long run. Six weeks. Fifteen weeks is where we should be. Six weeks. I apologize, sir. Right. I mean, I, I do think so, too. So as, as Marco Rubio said, this is what bothered people about what Lindsey Graham did. You're nationalizing the issue again when we should put it to the states. It's up to the states and the people to vote on it by the people that put in office or referendums that are actually you vote on propositions. So what they did is with the supermajority in the House and the Senate in, in Florida, they voted on six weeks. Now, they wouldn't have done that if Ron DeSantis didn't want to do it. And I think politically it would have made more sense. Now, people that are vehemently pro-life said, who cares about politics, including Cardinal Dolan, who I was with right before Easter. Does anyone care more about pro-life than the number one cardinal in the country and maybe top five if I was to rate cardinals uh, outside Stan Musial in the world? I would say Cardinal Dolan. He said, yeah, we've done a horrible job messaging what the pro-life movement means. And what it is is costing political seats to the people that were the biggest supporters, which means it's going to get less and less support, which is going to cause less and less politicians to make it one of their core issues. So now that the uh, that the dog caught the car, it's time to understand what you got to do that you caught it. And when Marco Rubio came out and said, I'm pro-life, but Florida wants 15 weeks, I represent Florida, that's what I'm going to do. That was probably the message. But nationalizing it has a downside because you're nationalized again. Even if 15 weeks is where 70% of the of the world agrees on and what most European countries have settled on seems to be the most logical place. If it gets you to other issues that could save the country. Alex in California. Hey, Alex. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to suggest a permanent uh, solution to the unaccompanied minors across our southern border. Basically, the U.S. Attorney General declares all such unaccompanied minors as orphans that would allow the government to legally and ethically deport them to orphanages across Latin America where they could receive food, shelter, clothing, and an education until they reach the age of adulthood. Well, it's something to, something to consider. I can't believe what's, in many cases, what's, what's going on there. Um, I think in California... Almost every policy they put forward from the lawmakers, not from the people, is is ass backwards. Almost everything they're looking to do they think is perfect and should lead the nation. And it's actually just the opposite. And if the nation takes their lead, we're going to go down the toilet with them. Can you believe a state like California, which was almost everybody's destination uh, for people that wanted fame, fortune, riches, and unbelievable scenery and opportunity, has turned into – the, the one state that has more people evacuating than anywhere else, where more U-holes are showing up than any place else, that's a state not without all these possibilities. I mean, you just drive down, uh, you drive through Los Angeles and Hollywood, Santa Monica, uh, you drive down on a, on, a, on a decent day to San Diego and you take Route 1, you say, why would anyone leave this state? But these lawmakers are so horrendous. Everybody's saying, go, you'll find out. Look at the way they locked everything down. Look how bad the schools have gotten. Look at how many homeless there are. Look at how bad crime is. Do you know they need, they lost a thousand cops in the last year, a thousand cops while vilifying them as if they're the problem and got rid of a good police chief that actually wanted to do the right thing. Amazing. 
All right. When we come back, we'll find out that we'll take some more calls. I see you up there, Tony in Florida. Uh, and we'll take some more calls. We'll go out to WOKV, too. Um, but we're also going to find out if there's more to know. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The pen is mightier than the sword. Um, so the, if you have um, a super intelligent uh, AI that is capable of writing uh, incredibly well and, and in a way that is very influential, um, you know, convincing, uh, and then and, and, is, and is constantly figuring out what is more, what is more, what is more convincing to people over time and then enter social media, for example, Twitter, uh, but also Facebook and others, you know, um, and, and potentially manipulates public opinion in a way that is very bad. Um, how would we even know? Elon Musk, trying to wrap your head around some of the things that AI are bringing to the table. You also brought up something else that thought was fascinating, and that is about commercial real estate, that a lot of the banks and the banking problem is uh, a lot of the banking investments in commercial real estate it used to be a guaranteed lock, uh, cinch lock. You know, you build the buildings, people will be there. Strip malls and other things, you know, that's kind of, that, that might be a little dicey in some cities. You might pick the wrong spot. But now you have a situation where there are only 60% occupancy because all this new rage since the pandemic of working from home, and a lot of them are upside down in the investment, and people are walking away from it in great numbers. And once it starts, it doesn't stop. And the other major problem, I thought he put... Uh, brilliantly uh, when he was talking about the economy in a very simplified form is that we devalued our money across with this whole uh, quantitative easing. We devalued our money and that's why we're getting hit. We put so much money into the market and people feel as real rich. It's worth less around the world. And you might have to, we could in a way, if we don't get a hold of this soon, destroy our monetary system. So here he is cut 49. Inflation is going to happen no matter what. If you increase the money supply, um, you get inflation. Right. So there's no, there's not some magical cure for getting rid of inflation, um, except to increase the productivity, the output, output of uh, goods and services. Yeah. Um, so what they're trying to do is raise rates. This is one thing that in going with his theory about keeping politics separate from the Fed and from the economy. This is why it was never good when anyone's pressuring the Fed to do anything. If you're a politician, you could go ahead and do an interview and say, you know, the rates are going up too high, the rates are going too low, you know, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that. That's okay. But when the president's berating, any president's berating and urging and conjoling Fed secretaries uh, to do certain certain thing, raise rates, decrease rates, uh, put more money into the market, Tightening things up, even if it hurts your political fortunes, you got to stay away from it because you should keep somebody focused on the money, not on politics. Because every politician, no matter how altruistic they are and how patriotic they may be, they're going to look to do things that are going to make the economy surge and thrive in order to get four more years or two more years, whatever the case may be. Let's find out if there's even more to know. 
More to know. Sponsored by Spirits Capital Corporation. Barreled whiskey is the cash cow of industry insiders. But now you too can invest in premium American whiskey as it ages. Go to caskdeeds.com. C-A-S-K-Deeds.com to learn more. Paid for by Spirits Capital Corporation. All right, here we go. Buffalo Bills to Mar Hamlin. He is going to play again despite dying on the field and maybe losing his heartbeat again when he went into the hospital. He has come all the way back from being on a respirator to breathing on his own to walking to working out and ready to play again and reporting to trainee camp. You remember the Buffalo Bills standout defensive back. Here he is and making the announcement official. Cut this event was life-changing, but it's not the end of my story. So I'm here to announce that I plan on making a comeback to the NFL. My heart is still in it. You know, my heart is still in the game. Uh, I love the game. Um, It's something I want to prove to myself, not nobody else. You know, Uh, it's just I just want to show people that fear is a choice. You know, you can keep going in something without having the answers and without knowing what's at the end of the tunnel. Or, you know, you might you might feel anxious. You might feel any type of way, you know, but you just keep putting that right foot in front of the left one and you keep going. I want to stand for that. Uh, And that is Tamar Hamlin. Uh, By the way, he. Uh, spent time at the ICU, University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Good news, they were able to get on the field, give him the defibrillator, get him going again, and get him back out there. And he seems to have suffered from this one illness, which is called commodio cordis, where if you get hit in the heart at exactly the wrong time, which is the right time, it stops the heart. And usually it's happened, sadly, with ball, with balls, sports with uh, balls, like lacrosse balls, Happened one of the first times on Long Island in Northport when a goalie got hit at the right wrong, about exact wrong time and died. They formed a foundation on it. It's happened with other teenagers. That's why you see these defibrillators on all these uh, sidelines around uh, around the country and all these youth sports. He said he's going to be active with that. Next, Russia's men's basketball team will not be allowed to compete in the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris. Uh, that, according to the uh, International Basketball Federation. Uh, Bulgaria, the next ranked team, will be given Russia's place. Despite today's ruling, individual Russian athletes can still compete, but they can't. Uh, but they can't represent Russia. I don't know what that means. Is he going to be able to what, know, play for Belarus? Ultimately, twelve teams will make the Olympic tournament and compete for gold. Are they going to play shirts and skins? The 2024 team in France will begin in July. Individual athletes, I guess, can play, but they cheat. Uh, the plus, they're vilified. They invade other nations. I don't know. If they ever hosted an event, it would be canceled almost immediately. Maybe Beijing and Russia got their two Olympics out of the way. Next, Robert Kraft and Meek Mill are teaming up once again. The rapper and the Patriots owner attended a, a, a march in Poland on Tuesday, honoring victims of the survivor of the Holocaust. Kraft and Mill participated in the 35th Annual March of the Living. Kraft, who's uh, famous in 2019, started his foundation to combat anti-Semitism. Reporting lit one of the six torches commemorating the six million people who died of the Holocaust. Also, on a much, much lesser note, it looks like uh, Bill Belichick's at war with his quarterback. It looks like he doesn't want to name him the starter, which I find relatively fascinating, Mac Jones. Next, tomato plants scream when a stem is cut off, a new study reveals. They actually emit an airborne sound similar to bubble wrap being popped that is detectable from more than three feet away. So do not hurt. Israeli researchers discovered that tomato and tobacco plants, which are under pressure from dehydration or having their stems severed, give out sounds that are comparable to a human conversation. The frequency of the noise is too high for human ears to detect, but it's possible for insects and other mammals, possibly even other plants, to hear them. I don't know if the world is better 
now that you know this. But now you know one quick thing, that the movie Attack of the Kill Tomatoes may not have been fiction after all. They do scream and make noises. The happiest people are located in Fremont, California. Second happiest people, San Jose, Madison, Wisconsin, number four, Overland Park, Kansas, number five, San Francisco. Sorry, Irvine, California, you almost got to the top five. Make sure you watch me on the five today, and I'll be back uh, every day. Brian Kilmeade Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.